Podcast. I'm Clayton Lingle-Zigich. I'm Roy Vanderwater. I'm Drew Lesweer. I'm Jade Maskill. And today we've got a smattering of topics, a potpourri, if you will. Uh, we, <laughs> don't have a, we don't have a guest, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might have noticed that the last 38 episodes have had guests, <laughs> but not this one. All right, so first topic. Are Spike slash research stories a smell? Jade, you hate spikes. <laughs> I do. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, I'm not against them entirely, uh, but I've seen people take it too far and basically have multiple iterations of a spike, which to me is a project. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a um, spike taken to excess, right? Like you were telling me earlier about a, a spike taking like six weeks to do, right? It's, right? It seems to me that the spike should take maybe one or two hours, but I could totally see the validity of if you're if you're going to perform some task and you don't know if it's actually possible, you can't commit to getting it done within your iteration. So you set aside some time to go ahead and do the spike. Now, if you have a four-week iteration, that poses a problem because that means you're doing your spike now and that means your actual features are getting done until eight weeks from now, right? So a spike might be something that you can't do if you're doing one-month iterations. So yeah. Maybe that's... I prefer to, <clears throat> instead of just having... Instead of committing to an unknown, right, creating a, a research task or something like that that we can give a time box or an estimate to um, and then use that information to now be able to turn that spike into something that is estimable. I guess that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was thinking of a spike. I mean, right. I guess a spike is supposed to be a prototype that you throw out at the end, right? Yeah. But but I was, I was thinking of a more long lines of research task, but I don't like the idea of doing a pure research task either. Like if you're going to spend two hours researching it, why not? get started on building it right and prove that it's possible yeah well i guess when i say research that's kind of what i'm thinking right let's let's prove it out let's make sure it happens too many times i've seen the spike become the actual product right and then you have a whole bunch of people working on it who have absolutely no concern for code quality because we're throwing this away at the end anyway only by that time you're too attached to it and can't invest the time to really build it for real and it's already brought to market right Uh, right i think there's also a danger in uh we're just gonna see if if we can do this and then you spend even doing it in a sprint or, or especially if it goes beyond more than one sprint, is uh, sometimes what you prototyped and what you did can be the actual product. I know that you, that was a fear you had, Jade, but I think there's danger in thinking, oh, this isn't real yet. Oh, this isn't real yet. This is just a prototype, and you, then carrying that on. Well, usually to any spike, there's really one crucial component that we're that you're wondering, like, is this even possible, right? Right. It's not like the whole spike right. is is so. If you, and usually that one critical component, and obviously not in all cases, but I mean, you can probably knock it out in under a day and just prove that that part's possible and that's all the information you need to estimate the rest of the story. Yeah. Now you can commit to it. So let's say that you're doing sprint planning and a story comes up that you hadn't really looked at before. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you glanced at it, but you know you don't know a whole lot of details. And you have never done it before and no one on the team has ever done anything like it before and you have no idea if it works. Okay, what, so, what do you do? So hold on, there's a huge difference between it's never been done before, and I'm not sure if it's possible, right? Uh-huh. I have never done this before, and it's never been possible. So I, I have never driven to New York City, but I am positive I can do it, right? Yeah, I've never uh, – there's some piece of technology I've never worked – there's a third-party API that I've never used before, and I don't feel comfortable committing to this story. Okay, but I, then so I guess within some limits, like you, I guess it's up to a comfort level, but it's still reasonable to commit to stuff even if it's an unknown. I, I can't commit to it. It's too much of an. Right. It's got freaking laser beams. Okay, if yeah. it's got freaking laser beams. Then you spend like an. Then you, then I could totally see like pulling in a research story or a research task or whatever, spending an hour to researching it and building up a prototype of the what you actually think it's going to be with with the thought in mind that if this works, this is going into production, right? Right. I could totally see that. And then at worst, you've wasted like an hour or two. 
What if it takes me longer than an hour to answer my question? Well, then maybe maybe you should talk to your team and um, see if you come up with an alternative solution or some, something that's simpler. I don't know. Maybe you're asking the wrong question. Who's asking the wrong question? Me or if me if, uh, if it takes longer than that to answer your question, maybe, oh, you, maybe you could break that down into some smaller pieces, right? Maybe you have multiple questions that need to be answered. With multiple research tasks? I could see that. Especially, especially if you're like the type of team that has gigantic stories where they take multiple days to finish each one, and you know maybe that prevents you from getting you know too far down this path and becoming too attached to this thing that was supposed to be uh, a prototype or something that you're going to throw away at the end. Right, and and the other thing that I would make sure too is with any kind of spike or prototype, I, I mean that would be especially the stuff that I'd pair on, because I could totally see that becoming very quickly into a personal project where. Because I'm the one who saw the spike through next week. I might as well be the one that works on it because I know the most about it. And I'm the laser you know beam it, expert. Right, exactly. I'm the laser beam expert. And you guys can't, you guys are afraid as hell of me and can't fire me because <laughs> the laser expert gets hit by a bus. You know, you guys are screwed. When do you just take the approach of saying, um, you know, forget the spike or the research thing. Let's just do the story. And it, in part of doing the story, we'll do the two hours of research and we'll just complete it there. We don't have to wait in a whole other iteration. I mean, if you're really that concerned about waiting a whole other iteration, then it kind of sounds like your iterations are too long. Well, that or you, if you're willing to take it into your sprint, then you have implicitly given it some estimate. Yeah, but what if the that pro- it can be completed inside so, of your sprint? Yeah, but I could see like a, pro- a product owner browbeater browbeating the team into taking the story on, like, hey, we need to get this done by Tuesday, and you're like, well, I don't even know if I can get it done this sprint. Well, but we need it by Tuesday, right? Like, well, by com- by bringing it into your sprint, you've implicitly agreed that it can be done by tuesday that's a good point so, so team members should feel that they are empowered to uh to, to refuse to bring that stuff in unless they honestly believe they can you either truly cannot estimate it at all or it's just hard and you don't want to estimate it all right i've, I've run into very few situations where there is no possible way to estimate uh this this story or whatever it is that we're faced with it, it happens uh, but very few. I might give it a very large estimate because I'm I'm highly uncertain. So we've definitely seen cases in which we think like, hey, that might be a really easy way to do this. Like we're trying to develop some feature and there's a library that might do 90% of it for us. And and we're afraid to commit to it because it could take two days or it could take one hour depending on the availability of that library or not. So, I mean, I could see that as being a really good case for we're just going to commit to it because we know at most it's going to take two days. It's probably going to take an hour because, right? Because a library exists or probably exists or whatever, but that way at least you can commit to it. Now, do you leave that extra? Do you do you commit to the maximum amount of time it would take? So you could potentially be leaving two, two almost two days worth of work on the table that uh, that you're not committing to. What if we change the scenario up a bit and we say that you are um, you're doing like planning poker game, and you've got this stack of stories that are loosely defined. And you're not talking about the details of the stories, the, the acceptance criteria, or anything like that. Uh, but some stories come up. And they sound really scary. Do you just, like, how often do you just spike them versus maybe giving them a larger estimate? Or, you know, what do you do? Sure. I, I mean, I've been faced with that. I've worked with a team that, that had to deal with that. And what we ended up doing was breaking that unknown down into some some still large but but smaller pieces, right? So we have this huge thing that we just can't estimate. We have no idea how to do it. Well, could we talk about the things that we could estimate and could understand and, and simplify the equation. And, and we ended up with some pretty large, loose estimates on the, on the things that were pretty, pretty big unknowns. But it wasn't that we could not estimate it at all. 
how do you know when you are spending too much time estimating and breaking things down just for the sake of getting an estimate versus just kind of um, trying to take the work in? Or are you suggesting yeah. taking the work in without estimating at all? No, I'm saying like you know, is it is it worth it? If you have some story that everyone on the team says, or maybe there's one really outspoken person and they want to spike this thing because they've never, you know, go back to the API example. They've never worked with this third-party API, so there's no way that they can size it because it could be the most complex thing in the world. So they want to spike it. Is it worth the time to go through and, like, break the story down so that it can be sized better or to have a whole separate, uh, you know, spike story to research the API? Like, are you wasting your time giving an estimate at that point? I guess it kind of depends on whether you need to get it done, how quickly you need to get done, right? Like if you need to get it done this iteration, then the only way to reasonably do that is to break it down into estimatable chunks that you can be, as a team, confident that you can complete it before the sprint is done. So if the product owner determines that this needs to get done this week or as soon as possible, right, like it's a top priority story, even if it takes three weeks, I still need it done as soon as possible, then then you're going to have to break it down and, and, and apply some estimates to it. So if uh, research stories and spikes are smells, like how often should a team be using them like as a car i don't know like it, it seems something like it will come up only like once every other month or so like I, in, in my experience it's it's not that common for a spike to to pop up if it does come up more frequently what does that signal like what could you learn from that it's probably because you're not breaking stories down far enough to begin with before pulling them into the sprint like i'm yeah, I, yeah they're either way too large uh or your team is incredibly inexperienced uh, that could happen, right? or or your team is just really worried that they're going to be held responsible for their stories, and that they've been burnt in the past by product owners that really, you know, um, pressure them into pulling stories in, or pre- pressure them in, and, and yell at them afterwards if they don't. So they're like fearful for some reason, kind of thing. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. It's like I I don't want to commit to anything because I don't want my I don't want to be kept to this, or I don't trust the rest of my team to actually do it. Yeah. Another thing it could be signaling is that you're missing a skill on your team. Uh, maybe there's a team member that you need to have that has the necessary experience or, or uh, qualifications. You know, there there might be something that really they just don't know how to do, right? If if we're a bunch of developers and we need to illustrate something, maybe we just can't do it, right? And and so that would be another indication that we're missing a, a critical person on our team. Uh, we talked a little bit about estimates, but you know, there's a lot of teams I think out there that are doing story point estimating um, basically as part of the planning process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <clears throat> does that seem like a reasonable thing to do or what are some downsides to that maybe? I don't know. I, it, I think I've been guilty of, of uh, being on teams where, where we do that. It, it feels reasonable at the time, but, I mean, I can't really name any benefits we get out of it, right? Other than maybe it's like double-edged bookkeeping that we are confident that um, our tasking matches up to the point estimates, so it's somewhat reasonable, right? We're not pulling in five thirteens in a one-week sprint. But other than that, I don't really know how much value we're getting out of it. So I, I think on teams where they're not doing anything with those points, uh, they're they're not using it to do like release planning or um, like longer-term planning or determining velocity that sort sort of thing. Then what's the point? But if they are actually using those numbers, uh, then I think it's valuable. So, so one huge thing value that I could see getting out of it is it very quickly lets everybody on the team that's part of the es- estimating process know that they're on the same page or not. So if I think that this is something totally different than you drew, and like you throw up a thirteen and I throw up a three, then that means we got to talk because clearly we have two hugely different understandings about what this is supposed to take. Now that should probably come up during tasking anyway. Yeah, but, but there's some value in that. Yeah, right? yeah. knowing that we're in alignment. 
Right. Um, I do think that if you're not using them for anything, you're probably wasting your time. Yeah. I think I think if you're doing a part of the planning process and you're finding that you're estimating even 113, like if you're getting into 8s and 13s, I would seriously consider breaking them down into smaller stories. So they might be useful as an indicator that you need to break stuff down. Right? Because if you start tasking, if you just start tasking, then it becomes like a boiling the lobster slowly where you're adding tasks to your story like a little bit at a time and there's not a clear cutoff point where you're like okay this is too much like we need to break this into smaller pieces um if if you are doing like release planning or you you are using something with using the estimates for something somewhat meaningful um is it does it really make sense to estimate right before the planning like isn't it easy to game the system if you do that yeah i think i I personally think that estimation should happen in some sort of backlog grooming or something outside of the actual planning meeting uh, you should come into the planning meeting with all your stories estimated and ready to go uh, because estimation does affect priority sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the product owner might make a different decision uh, depending on what, what you the team thinks it will take to implement a certain feature. And trying to do all that right during the planning meeting itself uh, can lead to a lot of wasted time and, and confusion. I, mm-hmm. I agree, but if... If you're starting, if you're just starting to do something with estimates, or you want to start doing with your estimates and tracking the velocity, or doing some kind of release planning, at the very least, starting to collect the estimates right before planning allows you to start collecting velocity data, so that later on, when you are doing backlog grooming and you want that information, you have the data available. But I think you could still do the estimates way beforehand and still get yep. something. I, I totally agree. But if you don't have a backlog grooming session or whatever, and you aren't willing to invest the time yet, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is you can still get some value out of doing estimates right before planning, but it's not going to be as meaningful or as valuable if you do it way, yeah. as it would be if you were to do it. I mean, before. it takes the same amount of time, right? Yes. But I think mentally separating those concerns is good for a team. Yeah. To, to treat estimation separate from planning. Right. I agree. So, so one last topic real quick. Um, here's a scenario. Let's say that you've got a team, Scrum team, and in their sprint they completed every single story except there's one story, and for whatever reason they decided that they can't continue on this story and it's blocked. Uh, they didn't know something at planning or something came up and, and they can't continue. The assumptions they made were wrong. Um, you know, does that... Like, should the team feel bad about that? Should they feel like they filled their sprint? Um, is it an exception? You know, they did everything they could, so it's okay? Or what do you guys think? I need a research spike before I, I can answer that question. <laughs> I think it should be considered a failure because that means that something went horribly wrong. If, if, if something, I mean, they did the best they could at the time, right? But it doesn't mean we should ignore this and not learn from our experience. So I think we should count it as a sprint failure, and it should probably be the biggest topic in the retrospective, right? Yeah, it might yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think uh, too often sprint failures are punitive, right? That we, we treat them as this thing that we're going to beat the team up against. Like you should never fail. Uh, you're going to fail, right? Right. It's going to happen on on every team. There will be sprints that you fail for for a myriad of reasons, right? But it should be the exception. It should be the exception. Uh, if you're failing constantly, then you need to be looking at you know what's causing these failures. Are you overcommitting or or whatever it may be? I agree with Roy that it should be the big topic of of the retrospective, but it shouldn't be something that is used to punish the team itself. Mm-hmm. Right. I think of it like the good and the bad, like, hooray, we got all this stuff done. You know, we released this awesome, awesome stuff, but oh, too bad. We didn't get this one done. You know, in hindsight, what could we have done different? 
Because I'm sure I think it's a it's it's a success and a failure. Yeah, because I'm sure there's something they could have done different to prevent it, right? Like in hindsight, you can see like, oh well, you know, we should have done whatever to prevent this. We asked this question during planning, or maybe we made these assumptions about how this thing was going to work. And right. So how could we avoid making those assumptions in the future? Or how could we make it? How how could we remind ourselves to ask these types of questions that would have caused this particular question to get asked or this answer to come forward or something like right. that? Yeah, but I think if you if you're being <clears throat> essentially punished for that, you're not going to think about that. You're just sure. going to think about how can we never fail again? Sure. Right. Instead of being open-minded about, okay, how could we have done this differently so that we don't uh, run into this again? Yeah. It's okay to fail if we use it as a, a means to a learning opportunity. Yeah, learning opportunity. Right. Okay. And we right. acknowledge and embrace that failure and say, okay, we, you know, we may have not hit our commitment, but we learned a whole bunch about what could be done differently next time around. Sure. And that might not work either. Right. But have, you got to like, keep trying. Twice. Yep. So you fill two weeks in a row or two sprints in a row. At what point do you start actually considering it like failure? Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I think that uh, wraps things up. That's all the time we've got. So we uh, invite you to check us out on the Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash agile weekly, where you can continue the conversation on this podcast or any of the others, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.